It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. With me in studio is Benjamin Hall, Fox News correspondent, author of Saved, a Raw Reporter's Mission to Make It Home. And uh, Ben, great to see you again. Yeah, lovely to be back here. And first off, Saved's not even out yet. If people are buying or have ordered it, it officially goes out tomorrow, correct? That's right. And, um, well, I just suppose I'm very lucky that people want to read about it. And I hope that this, the book is not just about, you know, the horrors and the pain that I went through to get better. It's about the optimism and the hope and the incredible people who helped me. And so I think hopefully right. it's an uplifting book rather than it is sort of, sort of a sad book. So, you know, as you told the story, you were kind of, came on Fox and Friends. You started with Sean Hannity. You went on with Mark Levin. I know that uh, for sure. Then you had a special with Sean Hannity uh, last night. Instead of you getting fatigued by the story, I feel like you're getting invigorated by the story. Well, I think you have to be. I think whenever anything bad happens to you, there are two ways of looking at it. One of them is to let it get you down and, and affect your future. The other is to embrace it and look for the good in it and try and move forward as best you can. And so, look, not only do I think it may help people if they hear my story, but I think it helps me. It helps me to sit down and talk about it. And it helps me to sit down every day and think about Pierre and Sasha who died that day and to realize – that uh, if we talk about it, if we're open about it, and we understand the situation that's going on, then we can do better. We can keep doing better every day. How many wars, how many conflicts have you been involved in? You kind of chronicle that in the book. Oh, um, I've, uh, you're in Syria. Seven, eight with Syria, Libya, Iraq, Afghanistan, Somalia. Um, gosh, a, a number of terrorist uh, groups around the world throughout Africa as well. I mean, a number. Over the last 15 years, if there was a conflict, we were there. And when you were doing that, you talk about how much better you got at it. In the beginning, you just went there, you go to Iraq, you try to find your source, and the source isn't there, you think, how do I find a story? By the time you're done, you become an expert of just getting involved, finding out what the story is by just getting in the middle of it. It almost a fearlessness. And you write in your book, you you learn to suppress your fear. Yeah. I mean, two things. First, if you're going to be a journalist, the only way to do it is to be in the middle of it. You know, you can only tell a story if you've spoken to the people involved, if you've seen it with your own eyes, if you can smell it. So I believed early on that that's what I had to do to tell these stories. But, um, but also you start out, you travel to these conflict zones. And, you know, to be honest, it was an adventure. I loved it. I was young. I was doing it as much as I could. Um, but you start telling some of these stories. You start to see how they affect families and um, you know, whole villages and schools and particularly seeing in Ukraine at the moment. And so, yes, it starts to change the way you report on conflicts. And so today, after all the years, I would say that I look at it in a much bigger picture. It's not about me running away from the bullets. It's about what that war means, not only to the world, but to our viewers and to our, our, our listeners today. And before we get into your account, Ukraine, what did you think going in? You have a perspective on history, what that region is, the aggressive nations in that area was Germany twice. And, and the Russians always seemed and the Soviets always seen on the march, march looking to expand their influence. And since Vladimir Putin, after the first couple of years, we assessed him as accurately as somebody that really wants to reclaim the Soviet Union. Do you see that in the Ukraine uh, war? Absolutely. And I think we knew it from the beginning. And I think the first thing I thought was, you know, he took over Crimea. He invaded um, Georgia. Georgia. Um, 2014, he was invading the east. Time and time again, no one stopped him. And so I think we realized that, if he wasn't held back, there was nowhere he wouldn't stop. And I can't help but look at China and see how the rest of the world was to see what NATO did to hold back Russia. And uh, I think we knew early on that if they allowed Russia and Putin to get away with this, that then we would see other countries continuing to do the same down the line. You knew it was going to be dangerous. In fact, all the so-called experts offered Zelensky a ride out saying it's going to be like Gahani. He's going to get 
uh, he's going to get taken out. They're not going to be able to withstand the Russians. Uh, when did you realize the experts were wrong? Well, um, no, I mean, at, at the beginning, we thought that uh, we thought that Russia was going to take over Kiev. You know, they had that huge convoy heading down towards the capital city. And uh, it looked like they may well do it because many people were saying they didn't have the weapons that the Ukrainians needed to hold them back. But within the first two weeks, we started to see huge errors on the side of the Russians, logistical errors, in a way that they clearly hadn't planned for a long-term invasion. They thought it would be done within a couple of weeks. And when that didn't happen, they couldn't continue. So it was around the time that, that we were attacked that we started to think, hang on, the Ukrainians can do this. They've got a real chance of doing it. And also when we saw people digging into the capital city of Kiev, we knew that that was going to be a bloodbath if the, if the Russians went in in the end. It wasn't going to be a quick uh, victory. And here we are, you know, just over a year later. Um, and it's a story, I think, that no one would have told you beforehand. Well, can you remember the circumstances the day that you hopped in with Pierre and Sasha and said, I'm going to go cover this story? Do you remember where they tell you to go and where you thought the story was? Yeah, very much. I mean, the plan had been to cover some of the defenses that were being built around Kiev, some of the trenches that were being built. And we'd gone out there and the Ukrainians wouldn't let us film the trenches. They said this is an important defensive system. Um, and the two Ukrainians we were with who were press liaisons said, well, look, we can't film here, but we can go a little bit further and we can see these abandoned villages. And so the decision was to continue going into these villages. And we filmed out there for maybe an hour or so. And um, we could hear shelling in the distance. So we, we would say probably 15, 20, 30 miles away, but nothing in our, near us. Didn't see a single person for a good hour. And once we'd finished filming, and we were filming uh, churches that had been flattened to the ground, uh, whole villages that were totally demolished. But we were making our way back towards the capital city, back towards Kiev, and uh, stopped at a, an abandoned checkpoint. And just as we turned to slow down, out of nowhere, the first bomb just came whistling out from overhead, um, landed just in front of us. That, that high-pitched whistle that you hear, phew, a magic, uh, we, we quickly decided we had to reverse, and Pierre shouts, you know, reverse the car, reverse the car. Who's driving? We had the two Ukrainians. So one Ukrainian was oh. driving. He was from the um, one of the press press liaisons. Um, so two uh, Ukrainians in the front and three of us in the back. Myself in the middle seat. Um, next thing I know, the car won't reverse, and Pierre shouts, "Get out of the car, everyone!" And the, a second later, the second bomb lands right next to the car, front left. And that was the one that uh, gave me a lot of the facial injuries, the shrapnel in the eye and in the throat, and took out some of my skull. And um, and I was all blacked out at that point, and I was um, in a you know totally unconscious. And it was that that was at the moment when I saw my daughter, and she came to me, my daughter Anna. And she said, uh, "You know, Daddy, you've got to get out of the car." And that was the moment when I I, I somehow came to. My eyes opened up again. I, in a mad dash, tried to crawl out of the car, took two steps out of the car, and then the third bomb hit the car itself, and that one threw me away. And uh, the next thing I know, I, I wake up, I'm on fire, my right leg's missing, my left foot is What do you mean gone. you're on fire? Your whole body? Yeah, everything from my, sort of about my waist down was on fire. Um, so burning away, all my clothes uh, burnt off, and I'm rolling around, I'm trying to put the flames out. I finally put those flames out, and I'm sitting there, and Pierre is lying about 10 feet in front of me. Um, and I immediately try to get my phone out, we try to call, uh, but no cell phone reception. So we're sitting there, can't get in touch with anyone. The car's burning. Where are the Ukrainians? Uh, well, that, I didn't know at that point, but the others had died at that point. So the two Ukrainians and Sasha, our fixer, they had died. Um, and I was there for about 40 minutes um, looking at my leg, trying to figure out what we could do. 
And uh, the way I thought about it was never, I'm in a terrible situation. It was, what do I have to do to get home? What do I have to do to save myself? How am I going to get home? Pierre said to me a couple of times, don't move. It's the Russians, Russian drone, Russian drone. So we laid there for a while. Actually, at one point, I took a, a picture of my leg that was missing. Um, and then I realized I didn't want my children to see it if it was uploaded. So I, I deleted that again. And I don't know where a car came driving past on the road we'd been on. And I shouted at it and I waved and it didn't see me. And uh, Pierre said, it's the Russians, it's the Russians. And I said, it doesn't matter, Pierre, I'm so badly injured right now. It doesn't matter who it is. And I started dragging myself up, pulling myself along with my hands in this sort of this red dirt that I was in um, up towards the road. And um, amazingly, about, I'm not sure whether it was five minutes, ten minutes later, that car had gotten lost. It was Ukrainian special forces. They turned around and they came back again. And I was a bit higher up at that point, and I had a hand full of rocks and dirt, and I threw it at the car, and I was screaming at it. I just remember the car stopping, and the next thing I know, someone's grabbing me by the back of my body armor, pulling me along the ground, and that was the first point that I felt pain. Despite all the injuries up to that point, I, the adrenaline was running. I was looking at my wounds. I could see how much I was bleeding, but I hadn't felt the pain. That one second where I was dragged along, I think all the skin that had been so badly burnt on my legs just came off. And, um, and that was the point that I felt this the first time, this immense pain. And uh, thrown into the back of this van, I'm in and out of consciousness at this point. And the next thing I remember, we, uh, I get moved to a, a checkpoint to get an injection. And uh, that's the last I remember of the day itself. Um, yeah. And then you had to put together what was happening behind the scenes to put you back together and to find you. And to find out who was alive, who wasn't, when Trey Yinks was, you guys were working together, he didn't come back. Yeah. So he knows there was something up, and then one thing leads to another. When you were putting together the book to find out what's happened behind the scenes to build the story, uh, what was the biggest surprise to you? Well, the amazing thing is I had no idea about what was going on to evacuate me. The work that Fox did, the work that Save Our Allies did, that Trey was doing on the ground to try to find me. All they knew at the time was that a Fox News team had been hit. They knew that two people were dead and one was alive, but they didn't know who. And um, they didn't know which hospital I'd been taken to or someone had been taken to. And there was this mad dash where everyone went around Kiev trying to find who I was. I woke up a couple of days later inside this hospital. And uh, I remember just opening my eyes. Obviously, I've got big uh, metal rods hanging out of my right leg and I'm all bandaged up and it, uh, I metal, assume, metal rods? Would you... Big metal rods that were holding together some of the bones oh. left in my upper. Did they try to save the leg? Uh, no, that one was gone. I mean, yeah. I was gone when I saw it. They were about to cut the left one off. And um, luckily, the doctor called in a specialist who said, don't, don't cut that left one off yet. And he got over as soon as he could. He said when he got to me, the leg had gone cold, but he had found that he could. Uh, he, I'm not exactly sure. I only found this out about two weeks ago because I've been speaking to the doctor. Um, and he uh, he hooked up a vein, he, he and he watched the leg went it went from cold back warm again. So I mean I was within minutes wow. of losing the left leg too. Wow. But I woke up and I thought I was in a Russian hospital, and uh, my leg's gone. Everyone's smiling at me. Someone has my State Department card, my press card, and they're screaming at me, "Who are you? Who are you?" So I'm, I assume I'm in Russia now. Um, but why were they screaming at you? Well, I, honestly, I couldn't tell you. You know, uh, yeah, I was like, well, were I, they I mad at you? I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> So, you know, I thought I'm there. The guy in the bed opposite me, this other patient, 
assuming obviously he's Russian and his bed sheets are moving and I assume he's got a gun pointed at me. So I'm living in the spy novel. Uh, <laughs> and all I can think is how am I going to escape, you know, which would be pretty hard without, without legs. legs. Without legs. And I'm thinking, right, I'm going to get out of here now. And the next thing I know, this American, Rich Jaddick, walks in the door um, and he says, hey, Ben, you want to get out of here? And I said, absolutely. Let, let's go. And I said, by the way, I think we're in Russia, and that guy's got a gun. Uh, (laughs) Vicky laughed, and he said, sure, don't worry about it. We'll get you out. But for the last two days, Fox had put together this team, or they'd hired Save Our Allies, or talked to Save Our Allies, this incredible group of people set up by Sarah Verado, who had saved thousands of people out of Afghanistan when when that country fell. And wasn't her husband hit uh, at war? That's right. Her husband also lost limbs, very badly injured as well. So she's gone through exactly what my family were going through, what I was going through, and uh, Save Our Allies specializes in in evacuating people from emergencies around the world now. And that's what they did. They knew I was in there. Um, Despite the uh, English accent, I'm an American, and they knew there was an American in there, and they would do whatever they could to come and put their own lives at risk to come and save me. It's amazing. Uh, ben, uh, Benjamin Hall is going to stick around. His book is out tomorrow, but uh, you got to buy it today. Uh, reserve it. Uh, saved a war reporter's mission to make it home. It's already pinned on top number one. I mean, we, it's it's doing really well so far. So right, thank right, you, everyone. Right. I mean, it's, it's an honor. I'm sure me. if there was anybody that Ron DeSantis would say he can go ahead of me, <laughs> I'm sure it would be you. Uh, don't move. But more with Benjamin Hall in just a moment. Brian Kilmeade show. The Will Kane Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Kane as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Who uh, sent a message to uh, the network today saying earlier today our correspondent Benjamin Hall was injured while news gathering outside of Kiev in Ukraine. We have a minimal level of details right now. But Ben is hospitalized, and our teams on the ground are working to gather additional information as the situation quickly unfolds. The safety of our entire team of journalists in Ukraine and the surrounding regions is our top priority and of the utmost importance. This is a stark reminder for all journalists who are putting their lives on the line every day to deliver the news from the war zone. Please keep Ben and his family in your prayers. And that was when we first heard, I've actually heard a little bit before that, but when the country first heard uh, that Ben uh, Benjamin Hall had been hurt uh, and that the fate of other two um, Fox employees, uh, Pierre and Sasha, had passed away along with the, the Ukrainian fixers, uh, this is part of the story and saved as Benjamin Hall is now has out officially tomorrow. It'll be a Fox Nation special airing on uh, 9 o'clock. Uh, March 19th. So this coming Sunday at nine o'clock on Fox News Channel. So um, so that'll be exciting. It's already put together, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And um, that's also with interviews from everyone, including the team who came in to get me, um, the soldiers who found me, the, the doctors who saved me, both in Ukraine, but also in San Antonio, Texas. And a lot of this story is about my recovery. And I was blessed to be allowed access to the military medicine. And Secretary Austin said that I could be treated um, uh, wherever I wanted. And so I started off in Lonstuhl at the biggest U.S. Uh, hospital outside of the U.S. Uh, in Germany, which is where all of those victims from Afghanistan and Iraq were treated, anyone injured. So I was put into the most amazing center. And the kind of injuries I have, that's called polytrauma. Um, and you get them when you know, you're hit by an explosion. And it's um, limb loss, heavy burns, you know, eyes, uh, eyesight problems, uh, head injuries. Um, and all of these can be treated 
in one place. And the military has sadly learned how to do that the best in the world because they've had these kind of injuries. And so when I was taken down to Texas in the end, San Antonio, <clears throat> um, I was blessed. And I was blessed to be surrounded by doctors who knew exactly how to treat my wounds. But more importantly, I was surrounded by other people who had had similar injuries. Right. And being able to sit there every week and talk to veterans and other people who had gone through what I'd right. gone through, that was an incredible motivation. It pushed me through and it showed me that if they can do it, I can do it. And I still talk to them a lot. And of course, Triple J, Johnny Joe Jones, was a big help as well, because it's a small world of people who have gone through this. And it's not just recovery in hospital that matters. It's how you then fit that into your daily life afterwards. And that can be very hard as well. Your decision not to have your family see you in San Antonio? How long? Uh, not have your daughter see you? Very, very difficult. But we thought about it early on. And when I was waiting to fly to Texas, my wife and I spoke. She was with me in Germany. And uh, what I said straight away was that I don't want my children to be by my bedside when I can't move. And I have a, a lot of these bad injuries. I didn't think for them. They were aged two, four, and six at the time. I just said, that's not going to help them. And Sarah Verado from Save Our Allies, had, um, she had moved down to be with her husband as well in San Antonio and said, you know what, it, it's not going to be the best right. thing for you to be down there. So I went five months without seeing them. It's incredible. And um, then that little, and the, and the month you were away, too, on top of that. And the month right. I was away. But it was about fighting to get back to them. And that's what I needed. You need something to fight for. Something right. To work hard for. And we're going to fight through this break and come back and finish up uh, this story. And don't forget, Sunday at 9, the special. All right, so uh, Benjamin Hall is here, uh, Fox News uh, foreign correspondent. You saw him all over the channel. Also filling in on Fox and Friends first. And I'll tell you, uh, Benjamin, we go back because I remember reading your stories in the New York Post. Uh, they would pick up your syndicated columns or your columns that you put out there. And I'm going, this is the guy. He's actually with ISIS. I go, you know, we're trying to find out who this group is that came out of thin air after we pulled out of Iraq. And they threatened almost to take Baghdad. And then you're in Syria Finding out who these guys are, and then when you came into town, you were kind enough to come into the radio studio. We were on a different floor at the time, but just watch your career zoom, and then you go over that in your book, uh, Saved, and there'll be a special on it on Sunday at 9 o'clock. But you've always felt comfortable in war zones telling people's uh, stories, always wanted to do that. I right? did, and first of all, I remember those first times I came in to be on this show, uh, yeah. and that was, I mean, the biggest thing I'd ever done in my life, you know? I mean, I'd been a freelancer, I'd been writing some articles out of the Middle East, and so I remember coming in here. So in some ways, Brian, I've got you to thank for my current career. Absolutely, so. <laughs> yeah, thank you, yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah. uh, 2014, uh, Allison said, is when you were doing it. That's Does right. that make sense 2014, to you? I remember when ISIS first started, uh, you know, to take over parts of uh, Syria. I knew as a freelance journalist, if I was going to get the story, I had to be on the ground. And uh, that's what I did for the next few years. For, even from my sort of 2011 on, from the Syrian war on, I just had to be out there. And if you're going to be good at something, you've got to be in the middle of it. You've got to be talking to them every day. And I just spent years knocking on the doors of prisons out there and uh, speaking to everyone who was fighting out there. And uh, that's, I suppose, the way that I, I started my career was doing that. Um, but that's it. You've got to, if you're going to, do something well, you've got to do it nonstop, and you've got to work at it every single day. And that's what you're doing, and then you worked at it for a year to get better, right? This has been for, that was your goal, to get better. Uh, and now are yeah. you? Now is your family living with you, you guys all together we're, in, we're, in Washington? Yeah, we're back together. We're in London at the moment. Um, mm -hmm. I just moved to D.C. to cover the State Department for Fox, um, and we may still be moving there uh, again uh, in the near future. But look, for me, I had one year and I said to myself early on, I will recover every day for a year. I will walk further every day. I will get through any difficulty I have to. But once a year is done, and actually that is tomorrow, 
One year. year since the attack. Wow. That is tomorrow. And I said to myself, do everything to recover for a year and then go out and, and get working again, do more. And I feel even more strongly about my job now. Not only that I want to get back reporting, um, but that I want to get back and start helping people. The amount of people I spoke to in San Antonio, other veterans you know, who had gone through really difficult times, um, they need help. They need support too. And I think we can all get together to show them that life can be positive, that you can find the light where there is darkness. And so that's something I really want to focus on now. Were they military people? Well, that's because I was blessed yeah. to be in, on, on a military base uh, recovering. So, yes, uh, they were. Um, but I spent all my career talking about wars and you know horrors around the world. And actually, I've, I've had a real sway after this because I have seen so much good and positiveness throughout my recovery that I want to go on now and start telling stories about the incredible people who got me through it. I want to tell stories about American exceptionalism at every step of the way. People came out to help me who I never knew. They laid down... You know, they've risked their own lives to get me. They put aside their own lives to help me. And those are the stories I want to tell. Talk about these incredible people that we have, um, you know, out there and about. So uh, if people want to get your book, they got to get it. You could pre-order it. And tomorrow it's going to be out. And it's gonna, that's your anniversary, even though books published on a Tuesday anyway. So this is uh, another great timing thing. The other thing is if you could donate to any group that's worthy of it, save our allies. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, what, what they did in Afghanistan, getting people out. We just left all these uh, uh, allies and uh, Americans behind. They just said, OK, we're back in, even though they're not in anymore. They're mm-hmm. back in. But they're still doing that. They've got safe houses across in Pakistan and they are still getting people out of Afghanistan. The people who stood side by side with our soldiers um, and who are really now uh, at risk of their own lives, they're getting them out of Afghanistan still. And what they say is that when our government, our military can't go in and help, we will go in and help. We'll do those things that our government is not able to. And that's what they're doing right now. That's how they came to get me. That's how they got people out of Afghanistan. And really, I mean, these are some of the most genuine, hardworking, incredible people who came from the military. And uh, they did it just to, for good. They did it because they wanted to help others. And uh, any support you guys can give to save our allies, I know will go a long way. So now that you're, um, I watch you, you're walking, you, you, you're doing great. You, I think you have one cane on yep. one side. So what is the goal physically? On the left side, you still have you have portions of your foot? Left? Yeah, I've got, I've got my heel on my left foot, but uh, I've got another operation coming up there in a couple of weeks. I've got some bone growth and some, uh, a few problems there. There is some talk of having the left foot off as well, so I've always been open to that, and um, right. we'll know that in about six months or so. Um, so, you know, I mean, a number of injuries which still have to be treated, still have to get better, and... Uh, just focus on that. So then you're going to uh, rehab. And you, when are you looking to get? Are you looking to get back to work? As soon as I can, absolutely. Uh, I'm already talking to a lot of the people uh, who I think could make for an incredible television show as well and series. People who really are, go out and help people and uh, uplifting stories. And so, for the first thing I'd like to do is do a piece on American exceptionalism. Do a piece on the incredible people out there who who make America the country it is. Who go out and save people every day. That can happen on a small domestic level. That can happen on an international level. But those are the people whose stories need to be told. I was absolutely amazed at how I was saved time and time again by people's kindness, by people's intelligence, by people's strength. They got me through this. And I think that those stories need to be told. And you would be so proud um, you know, of your fellow countrymen, of all these Americans out there who do incredible things. And I just think that that's a story I want to tell first. You talk about incredible timing of things to happen when they did. One was the Polish uh, president mm. is visiting Zelensky, the first one, and his train is there, right? 
We had – so I'm lying in Kiev. I'm very badly injured. I've got a matchbox-sized piece of shrapnel in my throat, and they didn't know how to get me out. They couldn't drive me out because could of the Could you talk? Uh, I could talk, yeah. Oh. Um, I let me a little, a little bit. They couldn't drive me out. They couldn't fly me out. Uh, they didn't know how to get me out. And then we found out from um, – through the U.S. government – that the Polish prime minister was on the first covert visit to see Zelensky. And if we could break through the, 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 the checkpoints and get to the train station, we could go out with the Polish prime minister. And we got permission from the Polish prime minister, and we bundled into this old beaten-up ambulance. And we went through, I, I mean, I, I think it's like 15-odd checkpoints. And at each one... Ukrainian. Ukrainians. But there was a curfew for 72 hours. No cars allowed out. It's the middle of the night. And each one assumed we were a Russian hit squad coming in to kill Zelensky. Uh, guns out, everyone out of the car every time. They'd open up my own uh, dressings, check that my wounds were real because they didn't think it was uh, genuine. And I had no painkillers at this point. And that was the point where the pain started to hit. We're trying to get to the Polish prime minister's train. They're holding on for us. Uh, we've got the U.S. intelligence speaking to, um, to the Polish people. This is like Air Force One. It's like the train version of Air Force One. And we're desperately trying to get onto it. And with a few seconds to go, we break through these the checkpoints and we finally make there. But those next 10 hours on that train were some of the worst of my life. That point where I had to figure out to get through the pain, I had to um, find another level inside me. And then when it hurt too much, you had to realize that you were going home, you were safe, you were alive, and that none of the pain mattered. And I think I found a new level to myself on that journey. I really did. Um, and I knew that if I could get to the Polish border the U.S. military would be waiting for me. They couldn't come into Ukraine, but if I could reach that border somehow, then I was in their arms. And we crossed over. The Polish prime minister's train stopped, and there was a Black Hawk helicopter right there, and they lifted me into that helicopter. And at that point, when I was in the arms of the military, I knew You're I'm gonna saved. Make it. I'm going to make it. I'm saved. Did um, you have a doctor with you along the way? Yeah, Rich Jadik. He's an incredible guy. He's with Save Our Allies. Uh, and I tell the story in my book of all these people who helped me, incredible stories out of Afghanistan themselves and how they had saved so many lives before mine and how the injuries they saw in me they were able to treat quickly and efficiently and keep those together. So um, he was amazing. Rich Jadik was there, sea spray, bow, um, all on that train with me. Uh, and uh, you know, I tell the story of them. I tell the story of some of the people that they lost in Afghanistan as well. Do you remember when the pain stopped, uh, subsided to the point where it was, was bearable? It was as soon as I got into the arms of the military, as soon as I got out of uh, Ukraine, uh, I was given all the pain meds you need. But I had an ongoing battle for the next few weeks there. My brain wouldn't shut off. I was on hyperdrive, so I couldn't really sleep. It was, on, uh, it was a, a strange time. But when I took too many drugs, I thought I was going crazy. I couldn't bear focus. And at nighttime, I would apologize to the nurses beforehand, and I'd just say, I'm really sorry for what happens overnight because it, I go into a hellhole. And every morning, I'd wake up and I'd say, you've got to take me off the pain meds. I can't handle it. I'm going crazy. And by the end of the day, I'd be screaming, put me back on the pain meds. You know? So do you want a clear mind or do you want to uh, or get rid of the pain? And uh, I still have that fight today. And the way I see it today is I'd rather have a clean mind and I'll just grit and bear it when the pain gets too much. But I want to be able to think clearly. Um, and so that's it's an ongoing discussion that we always have, but uh, it's one I just keep fighting. Wow, but you you look great, you look fantastic, and you could actually catch up with uh, Benjamin Hall. Watch his special nine o'clock. Pick up his uh, nine o'clock Sunday and pick up his book, Saved: A War Reporter's Mission to Make It Home. 
Uh, ben, great to see you. I know this is just the beginning of the second phase uh, of your anchoring, your specials, and everything else that you're going to be doing. I'm so glad you're back and you still have your same personality ready to go. It's a pleasure to be here. And thank you to everyone who's helped me along the way because I couldn't have done it without them. I couldn't have done it without you guys. Um, and that's the most important. If you know someone who's going through something difficult, reach out. Say, hey, if you need anything, I'm here. And uh, I think together we can do great things. Absolutely. And if you, if you want to give a tribute, Save Our Allies, a great, uh, a great organization, and pick up this book. It is. If it was a novel, I would say you would not regret it, let alone to know it really happened And this is the guy that happened to Benjamin. Thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.